pitch with myself, Ryan, and Dan with his lovely glasses there. All right, people. Hello. He's broken up the country flow there. We started off with a nice little bit of country music, but Dan's broken it with his ski goggles there. But I've got to admit, I'm actually kind of jealous of you because you went to country to country recently at the O2. And you got to see one of my favourite artists, Brett Young, live in concert. So how was it? It's so good. So we went on night two of country to country. So we saw the first act, I think it was at like seven o'clock, was Tennille Towns, who's a, a young country singer. She was okay. She's got some really good songs and then some really awful songs. But her voice is so unique that it's... When when they're good, they're really good. But when you don't like them, they're that makes sense. They're awful. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. There's some people who are famous, and I can't stand the sound of their voices. But some people are like, oh, they're amazing. Like people like Taylor Swift and people like that. I, I can't really stand listening to them. But yeah, her voice is so unique that um, I was saying to my friend that I went with like. This song's amazing. Then the next song's like, this is awful. <laughs> I don't want to hear hear any more of her. But she went. She was on for about an hour. Then there was local country bands like In Between and a few. And there was a a band that's touring soon. They came on to be like, oh, we're back in the UK in a month if you want to see us. But I can't remember their names. Then there was Brett Young, who's the one that upset you briefly. Oh, was Brett Young next? No, I think Luke McCreary was next. Scotty McCreary, would I get Luke McCreary? I think he's a footballer. Scotty McCreary. If you don't know Scotty McCreary, again, very unique country voice. But again, great singer. And again, me and Ryan had this discussion ages ago. He sings country with every song has a real story. That's and the he thing explained I love about him. the story before every song. So Scotty McCreary did that really well. And so did Brett Young after him. But Scott McCreary did it the, like, the best because every time he Ooh. sung a song, he told you the emotion side behind it so he like he does a song about the time he proposed to his missus and then he then he sings the song and it all makes sense because he tells you about little stories that they have in their life that he then turns into song so that was really good then we had brett young for an hour and a half which was an hour and a half of brett young it doesn't can't go wrong can you so and again brett young has got a fantastic voice so and his, his songwriting ability is astounding it genuinely is he's up there i'm a big fan of ed sheeran i'm a big fan of james arthur and brett young is right up there when it comes to lyrics when it comes to emotion in his songs is i mean unfortunately the lord doesn't allow it in the uk for us to play snippets of music without there being consequences otherwise believe me we would be sitting here for about an hour going through some of Brett Young's greatest hits so far. He's got many. Have you heard of Thomas yeah, like, Rhett as got... well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't had a choice not to. But yeah, like even with Brett Young, like I've got my mum listening to Brett Young because <laughs> True really likes the song Lady, which is about Brett singing to his daughter, in fact his baby daughter, about like if you grow up to be your mum you'll be fine. Which again it's a it's a song met by, you know, feelings and it's good. And then the last act of the show was uh, my guy, Darius Rucker. He's uh, he's my fella, and he was on for two hours. Uh, if you know Hootie and the Blowfish and don't know who Darius Rucker is, you do, because Darius Rucker is the lead singer from Hootie and the Blowfish from the 90s. Um, but again, brilliant, really fun. Four hours of country music. Sober, which doesn't happen often when I'm out uh, <laughs> so at an event. So that was 
It was good. It was really good. I, I really want to go again next year. I can't wait. The night after us was Luke Coombs. Oh, and, uh, he brought out Ed, he brought out Ed Sheeran. Oh wow! Why didn't you uh, we weren't there. You? We because it's the tickets. So I think our tickets were like ninety quid. But the sh the mm. second night, the Sunday night, because it's like the main the main night, the tickets were like two fifty. But it's understandable wow. because Luke Coombs was the headline act. People wanted to see. It. I think the Friday night there was a lady called Miranda Lambert. I think the tickets were the same as our night. Because I, I thought, like, my night where I got saw Darius Rucker, Brett Young, Scotty McCreary, I thought, like, this is great. And then my friend said to me, oh, tomorrow's Luke Coombs. And I thought, okay, that will explain why Sunday's so expensive. And then I got a video the next evening. But he said, oh, look, Ed Sheeran's on the stage. I was like, oh, I'd have spent 200 quid if you told me that. <laughs> I'm, I'm jealous, seriously jealous. But I can understand why you didn't go the second night. I mean, seriously, 200 quid, 200 quid for a ticket. Jesus. Well, I think because so what it is, it's a there's two. They do an event in London, and then there's an event in Dublin, and they rotate. Right. So Luke Coombs, which highlighted us on a who had London finished it in London. It's opened the islands. Right. So I think then Darius and Brett finished and closed islands one. And Luke Coombs finished our one. So, but I mean, I was, I was quite happy. I got to see two of my favourite country singers. There's two, two of the, what I would say is two of my top three I saw. And hopefully the third one comes next year. He came just before the pandemic, but I didn't get, I didn't get tickets. Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm literally so jealous, especially with Brett Young. I absolutely adore Brett Young. I discovered him about a year or so ago, maybe a little bit more than that. And, I don't think I've found a bad song yet. I've got to be honest. Mm -hmm. You won't. Very, very rare. It's the same with Ed Sheeran and the same with James Arthur. I genuinely don't think I found a bad song of theirs yet. There's ones that I favour less. But I must admit, I have listened to Darius Rucker because we've had this conversation before. Uh, we talk music a lot in our free time. I'm afraid while he's your boy, I think Brett Young is definitely up there for me. He's... An absolute star. I'm quite surprised that country has not taken off in the UK the way it does in America because the talent is amazing. Just between Darius Rucker, Brett Young and Luke Coombs, it's astounding. It genuinely is. And that's misleading, like, for my music, like Luke Bryan, Blake Shelton, the people that I listen to a lot, and just the fact that they don't get Carrie Underwood, um, even, like, Shania Twain, technically a country girl. <laughs> I'm, I must admit, I'm not a big fan of Shania Twain. Yana Kramer, I'm a big fan of. I don't know if you know who Yana Kramer is. I'm not sure if we talked about her who's before. In the, who's coming? There's a there's someone coming over soon. I, I can't remember who it is. Brett Young is up touring over here very, very soon. But I don't think he's coming to London. I think it's not Yana Kramer was a also a TV star. She was in One Tree Hill, uh, if you know that TV show. Uh, but she is if you don't want She is also a country music singer. If you're trying to work out where you know One Tree Who from, it was on E4. Yes, exactly. And I'm sure the Americans all know who that uh, that program as well. I'm sure they're probably still playing it. I know they're probably still playing it on E4. Of course they are. They still play Friends and Scrubs and... <laughs> yeah, they don't seem to mother. stop. 
Friends constantly on repeat. Or, although I've noticed, to be fair, Friends is now on Channel 5. Don't know why for people who are watching Channel 5. I don't think anybody watches Channel 5. But there you go. Yeah, exactly. It's on Netflix. I mean, I'm, still, <laughs> I'm so old. I've got the whole Friends box set on DVD. That's how fucking old I am. I got. I had them on. I had them on video on all of them. Yeah, so did I. I had to exchange them for DVDs. Yeah, <laughs> I think I got a lot of them on DVD. VHS oh. players went out of fashion and was replaced by the micro yeah, for DVD. You, for you youngsters that don't know what a video is, <laughs> it's like a big square cassette tape. You don't even know what a cassette tape is. I'll just stop there. It's a box yeah. that we used to put this block in, and then it would play the video, right? Because <laughs> you won't know what a cassette tape is. I've I reached still that point in my life one, now. But I don't have right. anything to listen to it on, so... I have one one cassette. It's one of those things, though. You never quite understand where all your stuff went. I used to have, like, mixtapes from girlfriends, like, way back in the day. I've got no clue where they are now. I don't know if I threw them out, if my ex-wife ditched them when she read what was written on them or what. I have a fucking clue. And now it's the same <laughs> with CDs. It's just like my CDs are sat there in... A, in a sort of like on a bookcase and it makes me wonder it's like the way the world is going and we've gone completely off tangent here but never mind the way we're going i was just sitting there the other day and i was thinking to myself right i've got all these dvds right and i've got books and i've got cds so if i was to download all of these things onto like netflix or onto a hard drive or something like that right and use a Kindle to read books instead or something. But it basically say there was a service online where you could scan the barcode of something you bought and it would download it as, as an MP3 or whatever. I was wondering, what the fuck would be in my front room besides my sofa and my TV? <laughs> but literally, seriously, just because it's like my generation, I suppose, you had a full front room. You had like as many bookcases as you needed. You, you know, you got some sofas, some coffee tables, a, a buffet for your feet, everything pointing at the TV. And the way I've things are now, I've got a bookshelf. Yeah, and the way things are nowadays, what a books on it? Seating and a TV. Well, actually, that's a lie. I've got two books. I've got the one behind me, which I'm showing Ryan. There's actually books on this one. Most of them autobiographies, and then on the other one, there's gin and pop figures. Breaking news: Dan reads. I can read at normally autobiographies. While we're talking pop figures, can you please explain this phenomenon with me? Because Dawson got one for Christmas. He asked for it. What is with this fascination of know. just collecting these plastic figurines and leaving them in boxes? I just like to look at them. So you're a nerd? Yeah. In the much the same way, I'm not going to mention names, but some much in the same way that someone that we know, who we are related to, collected a lot of stuff from various oh it's a charmander blimey collection i have charmander squirtle bulbasaur and pikachu she's on her way jeez blimey who's on her way evie you're getting an evie as well you need an evie clarify for our listeners dan is 26 but this does seem to be modern culture i mean this is something i don't understand as a 40 year old man Right. At the age of 24, 23, 26, I was not still playing ball games, collecting toys in boxes, playing computer games online. 
it's, for me, it's, it's kind of a weird thing and probably an offensive thing to say to loads of people. But it kind of feels like the generations after me just haven't grown up. It's like, okay, I've still got... It's I've not got, social. Yeah, I've just got to go out and go to work. But when I come home, I'm going to carry on playing video games and I'm going to carry on looking at toys and stuff like I'm 15. Yeah, because the social, you're still, you're still getting your social mix. You're just doing it differently. But I would still talk to my friends, but I don't have many of them by choice. <laughs> I still contact them and I still do things with them. It's just normally virtually. And obviously, I used to go out with my best friend a lot, but he packed up and fucked off. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't really go and see him because Cornwall's quite far away. So the only way I can chat to him really is if we're playing a game or on Skype or whatever, just chatting. So at no point have you considered like going outside, you know, getting a girlfriend, settling down, having children. <laughs> Let's not go there. I mean, recent things have gone wrong. That's all I'm going to say on that. Front. <laughs> in terms of going outside, I've actually done all right going outside of late, but there's too many people. In... First of all, for people that don't know, I am anxious about leaving my front door let alone going out and seeing people. So, by the idea of me going to a cinema and a bowl, cinema's not too bad, like a bowling alley or anything like that is a complete no-go, let alone, like, the idea that people want to go to nightclubs is mind-boggling to me because why would, why? Don't but ask why? me, I did that when I was, like, 19, 20 years old and I stopped when I was about 22. Because I didn't want to do it then. Someone that I was seeing... Go a while ago, recently, she used to go out every week and she made me go once. And well, not made me go, I went with her and I stood there in the corner, like, This ain't for me, this. <laughs> like, I might go home. <laughs> I can't say I blame you, to be honest. Like I said, I did it when I was 19, 20, and half the time, because I don't drink and I never really drank back then, I'd probably have one pint at the beginning of the night and that was it. I was always the one that ended up carrying every other fucker home. So I think that's kind of like why everybody had me come along. It was just like I was like the designated driver that didn't drive. Kind of thing. Yeah, uh, see, this is so this is why when Joe moved to Cornwall, our, our group had problems because we have three drinkers and two people that drink but are quite sensible. So it was me and Joe sensible and the other three were getting on it and couldn't stand up. Joe's left me now. So it's Three drinkers and me. So when we all go out, I now conveniently, and they know it's bullshit, but I'll still claim it. I come up with an excuse to either leave early or just not go. And let the, the other month, actually, ironically, after country to country, we were all supposed to go out for a night in London. I text them about half nine to see how they were doing. And they were all absolutely rat ass. And I knew I still had two hours of this country concert left. And I knew by the time I got up there, they were going to be in trouble, so I just didn't go. <laughs> I had to be fair, I had already made an excuse because my friend that came with me, her and her sister had parked their car outside my house. So I had to I had to take them back to their car. I couldn't just leave them. So they parked outside. So I had to come back to where I live to make sure they got in the car and went home. But I've got an excuse. I'm a, I'm a man of a ready-made excuse. Before we go, just having just favourite Brett Young song. Oh, dude, that's not fair. How uh, two? You can have two. Oh, 
I don't know, man. Seriously, that's harsh. Also, what's the point of spending 250 quid on a ticket when you've got YouTube for free? I've got to say, one of the greatest inventions of all time. I'm not a big fan of the internet. I think it's it's done a lot of good and it's done a hell of a lot of bad. But one of the best things about YouTube is one best things about YouTube. One of the best free things music. about the internet is free music, and that is YouTube. Um, let's have a look because I've got Brett Young playlists. Mercy, I think, this. has got to be up. There. Yes, that is probably yes. one of the most saddest and most heartbreaking songs I've ever heard. But you sing along to it, didn't you? Oh, yes, but... Uh, I know I do. <laughs> oh, it's... It is genuinely... Uh, this is the thing. Country music has got like this record of being a bit bluegrass and a bit sort of like, we only do really sad love songs. Like, I'm sleeping in my Jeep because she don't me. Uh, Brett Young has taken country and made it popular so it's country pop i suppose it's it's country pop yeah there's a lot because there's a lot of um people that not aren't like brett because his voice is you know really special but there are a lot of the country songs that i listen to would be classified as country pop i've gone for like blake shelton luke bryan brad paisley's probably old school kind of shows blake Shelton, really but darius rucker the three that are the four that i went to see are probably all class as country pop luke coombs probably comes under country on its own for me it's mercy and like i loved you i think for me it's got to be mercy although lady's good as well so he's just really good it's, <laughs> he's just it's really good it's like trying to it's honest to god it's like trying to pick an ed sheeran song it's very very difficult because like you think you found one and then all of i a know sudden, my favorite ed sheeran song and it's one of his older ones lego house no, no, you need me. Okay, okay. you need no. me, man. I don't need you. I like it, it's not my favorite. I'll be honest, I don't um, think I've heard Ed Sheeran's latest album. I'm not even sure how many albums he's brought out at this point because I can't keep up. I'm one of these terrible people who I know what I like and I like what I know. So, unless I hear something randomly, I'm not going to go out of my way to listen to new music. But, yeah, for, me too. Um, for Ed Sheeran, and I then think, the music, I, thinking out loud, is music probably I, my yeah. favorite. Oh yeah, nice song. Home song when I used to work at a school. That was our home song. That came up. The kids knew it was home. Then the problem is yeah, Ed Sheeran. The, he releases a new album, and something better comes along because there's like um, visiting hours. I heard recently, and I heard live. That was amazing. And what was the other one that I heard performed? But it was like a few years ago. It was like Supermarket Flowers, I think it's called about the death of his nan and again as we were talking about with Brett Young he's Ed's another one of those who manages to make their music both painful and heartfelt and real and about real things at the same time yeah I mean I don't I don't really listen to Ed Sheeran so I, I, I can't really comment oh. it's not I mean I like Ed Sheeran but I'm not like I could probably name you a few of his songs but I don't listen to him particularly religiously he's not but I think his, the song I listen to his the most is, he's got Stormzy in it, so I don't, <laughs> can't even tell you. Like a Ed Sheeran song on its own, probably Galway Girl, Castle on the Hill. Some of his older stuff as well. Some of his original stuff, like 18, stuff like that. Lego House, I've always, have you seen the video to Lego House? 
No, that means I have to watch it. I have to watch. I have to listen to his music. Go no. and watch it because okay. it's fantastic. Because uh, Ron Weasley from the Harry Potter films is it Rupert Grint? Is that his real name? Yes. He plays Ed Sheeran's stalker. He tries to convince everyone that he's Ed Sheeran. Oh, I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah. It was so amazing. And no matter what you convince me, I'm still not going to fancy Emma Watson. Every time I see Emma Watson, I just see Hermione. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. She's like Ariana Grande. She's no she's a beautiful woman, but looks about 12 still. I can't do it. Yeah, Ariana Grande, doesn't, she doesn't look like a kid. Now, Camilla Cabello, on the other hand, if I was 15 years younger, I'd be on <laughs> a plane cards, to right? America. Yeah, exactly. I'd be on a plane to America. I'd be like, hello, yeah, your luck's in. Get your coat, love, you've pulled. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton wow what a 12 months for Lewis Hamilton first you get royally fucked by the very people that you're racing not for, but in, I suppose. Yeah. Or with, I'm not quite sure what the, the right term is. Um, in conjunction with. Yeah. If, if we actually talked about what happened last year, me and you, I think we're both of the opinion that he got royally fucked and it was rigged, right? Oh, yeah. The thing that annoyed me and it annoyed many others is just simply... Again, in, in terms of the incident itself, there's an incident, the TV crashes, the red red flag happens, safety car red flag, that's fine, that happens, that's Formula One. Sorry, that that's that. Max pits Denise for, for new softs, Lewis stays on old mediums. That again, up until that point, I mean I'm not impressed because I still want Lewis to win. But at the, I you can't argue anything there. Like uh, they should the only problem is they probably could have called the safety car earlier. Because I think they did a few laps. They did like a lap, didn't they, before they called the safety car? Yes. And then they kept the pit window shut. Then they opened the pit window. Because I think Max was like 10 seconds behind Lewis. And Lewis was pulling away. So then Max pits and some of the back markers go in front. Which is, again, fine. That's normal for a safety car window. This is where the bullshit starts. Where both teams are banging on at the FIA director, Michael Massey. Yeah. Now no Mercedes arguing. Wrong, Red Bull arguing. Both trying to play politics. Which they shouldn't be allowed to do. Neither team should have been allowed to do, Frank. And I'm glad that they've changed that rule now that you can't speak directly to the race director. Because I think it's genuinely what should happen anyway. There's, I think, if I'm right, Max was effectively sixth in the race. If you, unla- well, he was second in the race, but sixth car in from the safety car. There was Lewis, five others, and then Max. Yes. Now, the general rule of thumb, or the legal rule of thumb, is that when the safety car happens, everybody unlaps, and then you do a lap in the correct order behind the safety car before restart. However, there was only a lap left in the race and they only let the five between Lewis and Max through. 
So when there was a restart, which there shouldn't have been because you didn't have a full lap behind the safety car, because if they'd done the full lap behind the safety car, the season ends under safety car, Lewis is the champion. Now, I get that's not an ideal finish, but letter of the law, that's what should have happened. However, they let the five go through and then they started the race on, I think, like halfway through the second sector, the first sector, wasn't it? On a basically on a DRS straight, which helped Max snow in. Well, so the then Max was, goes. Lewis was screwed because his tyres were buggered and Max was on a fresh set. So we were yeah. going to take him at some point. Yeah. So Max did him and then obviously pulled away. But the most upsetting thing and the upsetting thing for everyone was quite simply, you didn't follow the, your rules and regulations. One, you, you have to let everyone through. You can't just let the five through that are, that are separating first and second because I think between Max and whoever finished third was another lap car who didn't get let go. I think it was George Russell, didn't get let go. So he should have been let go. Everyone should have been let go. Then the ruling again is once everyone has got through, you complete one lap in the correct order, all on the same lap. They didn't do that. So there's two failures. Max Verstappen then is celebrating. Well, I mean, well, okay, you celebrate because you've won a world championship. And it's, it will say on your record, Max Verstappen has a world championship. It's so scarred. Every F1 fan knows that Max Verstappen World Championship is completely scarred. I mean, the amazing thing for me is, is I literally cannot believe... There's, there's been race rigging, I suppose, what's the right word? There's been shenanigans in the past where teams... I think it was Benetton and... I can't remember who the, the name of the guy was. Barrichello. Yeah, but the, the guy who was guilty of it, he was the team boss at the time. Flavio Briatore, right? Thank you very much. Yeah, I was just about to Google that. So there, 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 are, there has been shit like that before. But the problem is, this didn't come from a team boss trying to fix a race. This came from the FIA themselves. They literally did this to make the race more exciting. And me and you said throughout that season that basically Lewis is getting fucked. They are trying to give Max every opportunity to win this title that they possibly can. And it literally showed on the last lap of the very last race of the season where Bang to right like even, should have been the winner. Well, even just the, just general ineptability for the whole season, because there's even things that Verstappen fans will say, and rightly so, that Lewis got away with that he shouldn't have throughout the season. If, like, yeah, for example, like we both disagreed with the decision at the time. There was a, a crash at the British Grand Prix between Lewis and Max. Do you remember? Yes. So the FIA viewed it as a Lewis error and gave Lewis a time penalty. If that's really a Lewis error and that's he's caused the harm that you're saying, you probably should have just won him. Well, I mean, this was the other thing, though, is like back in that season, there was the incident where Max basically parked his car in the middle of the racetrack. And me and you disagreed on this one because I watched it several times. And Lewis Hamilton comes around the corner has got nowhere to move and rear ends Max. I think it was about two or three races from the end of the season. And you oh, like, oh, yeah. No, uh, and the one they just done. And you were like, oh, that's Lewis's fault. And I was like, no way. He, Max has literally just parked his car in the middle of the fucking track because he was supposed to allow Lewis pass. And then as soon as Lewis hit him, oh, he yeah. drove off. It was just like, I'm sorry, but Lewis still won the race. we do shithousery <laughs> on the football podcast. But that was blatant F1 shithousery, what Max has done. I don't like Max's attitude ever since. 
If, if, I, if I was Max Verstappen in this situation, I would have been right. I've been really lucky to get this title. I'm going to shut my mouth and I'm not going to say anything. But there is him and Christian Horner championing about how he's such a great world champion and how he totally deserved it. And rah, 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 rah. I mean, it's very clear that both Max Verstappen, in my opinion anyway, both Max Verstappen and Christian Horner are both douchebags. Oh, yeah, they're big bellies in the nicest way possible. I actually think Christian is worse than Max because Christian is... Max, since Max got in the car, for, for a start, do you remember when Max got his seat in Red Bull? They just dropped Kvyat. Kvyat wasn't necessarily not doing great. He wasn't doing anything wrong. They just dropped him to get Max in the car. And as soon as they put Max in the car, Max was their boy, no matter what happened. Because I think because his first partner was Daniel Ricciardo. As he chose to be this weekend, as he was in Italy, he came out and said, "Look, this team's built for Max. It doesn't matter if I stay or go; it don't make a difference." And they brought in Pierre Gasly. So, and we know Pierre Gasly is a good driver. He's done great at AlphaTauri, but they built a path just for Max. They didn't even think about his teammate. That went wrong for Max. Then, obviously, they got rid of Pierre for Albon because Alex was doing well in the AlphaTauri, and again did the same thing. Built a car for Max. Didn't think about it. Alex, got rid of Alex for Sergio Perez. Granted, Perez is doing better than the pair of them did, but that's just because that's what Perez does well. Perez is probably the perfect teammate for Max. He doesn't care. He just gets on with it. He's a solid enough driver, do really well for Red Bull. I think this is his last year. The title race is going to be, we know who the title race is going to be between already. So in terms of that, Perez is not in the title fight. As much as result, he might get the odd win for this season, but he's, he's not going to be in the title fight. I don't actually. Do you know the results from today? No, I haven't seen the full grid. I know Max won because it was like a straight finish. So I go through the, the top 10. I was going to say, Charles Leclerc, I think, completely shut the bed today. But before we go through the top 10, I just wanted to say that we're discussing this because, like, as, as I said, it's the start of a new season. Lewis looks broken to me. I don't know about you. We, I know we talked about this very briefly on, on WhatsApp earlier, but for, to me, I just don't think his heart's in it. I, d I can't comment. I don't want to comment on, on that because, to be fair, just because I don't know what his mindset is, I don't really want to talk about people's mindsets. I just think his car's crap. I was going to say, it's very obvious they haven't got a good car. But, I mean, George Russell is driving the nuts off of that. And, I mean, fair play to him because but, that, that's but what he did he at Williams. he drove the nuts off of it. But he drove the nuts out of it today because... He got lucky at the start, got him up to a position, and obviously his end, even his end position got bumped up because of a mistake elsewhere. But from the start of the Grand Prix, Ricardo and Sainz have a crash. They have a crash which slows down. Yeah, but you still got to be was... in the position to take any good fortune that comes your way. Yeah, but that and Lewis but is that's... not. Looking no, but they were. Now, Russell was ahead of him. Yeah, but I mean, looking at this now, I but mean, that's Lewis why is, is in about fourteenth, and this is a seven-time world. Yeah, and that's where he stays. But that that's why because. Russell got lucky off the grid, and that's not a negative on him. I'm just saying as well. Magnussen was caught, Vettel was caught. There was another, was it Sonoda? They all had to break a lot earlier because of the Signs and Ricardo incident, and Russell was just able to carry his speed through. And then the only thing he did in the whole Grand Prix was actually on Kevin Magnussen. And Hamilton did get up to tenth, but then the his pit crew must messed up on one of his tires. He had a six second. It was like a five point six wow. pit stop. So way, he was back in 14th again and never recovered. 
Can we quickly just say how bonkers it is that the pit crews are getting under two seconds of pit stop these days? It's fucking bananas. Well, they've gone back up now, haven't they? They've gone back up again now. Have they? I saw one the other day. It was like 1.9 seconds to change four wheels on on a fucking... 200 mile an hour car that comes zooming last year, at about 40 miles an hour. I think last year the Williams and the Red Bulls were like one and a half, like 1.5. They were doing the amazing. So we'll, I'll run through the top 10. Spoilers for Ryan as he's watching it still. So yeah, Max won. He was first. Um, he also got the fastest lap, so he got 26 points. Perez second. Lando Norris in third. Fantastic for Lando and McLaren. McLaren seemed to have got a rough, seemed to, whatever their issues were, McLaren seemed to have kind of worked it out because. That even Daniel, I think Daniel was sixth in the sprint race and qualified up in sixth as well. Just obviously had the, the turn one, which kind of affected his whole race. But as I said, George Russell in fourth. Mercedes seemed to be able to hold a position, not attack anyone. Uh, Vatu Bottas in fifth looks really good in that Alfa Romeo. I mean, I knew Alfa, we always knew Vatu Bottas was a good driver because of his time at Williams. We just didn't necessarily believe he was a title contender. And I think he's proving it with Alpha. Leclerc in sixth, who recovered from his uh, spin or whatever it was. So he's still well ahead in the driver's championship. Eighth for Sebastian. Seventh for Yuri, Yuki Sonoda. So that's probably good points for Yuki. I don't think he's got that many this year. Eighth for Vettel. Nine for Kevin Magnussen, who's had a really good return to F1. I think he was P4 in the sprint race yesterday. For qualifying, I think he got P4, and then in the sprint race, I think he started seventh. And then Lance Stroll got a uh, got final point. Uh, DNFs for Alonso and Sainz. Alonso, if you didn't see it, had all of his right side of his car just fell off. Wow. Well, it didn't just fall off. There was a contact. He had contact with Ricardo, carried on about another six laps, and then his wing, his side of his car just fell off. Uh, Ricardo, as I said, had did finish the race, but I think he was driving with damage, so couldn't really do much. Uh, Mick Schumacher, the sound, I think he spun twice, bless him. Nicholas Latifi as well. That's nothing new for Nicholas Latifi. The only thing I would like to say is there's a camera angle, and I don't mind, I don't know about you, I don't mind the commentators of Sky Sports, apart from Nico Rosberg. Because I don't, I don't know if you get the same commentary team. No, I don't, because I've got the Channel 4 commentary team, so it's normally David so the commentator and, I could... and another. Oh, yeah, so... I can't remember who it is. Crofty. I like Crofty, but today he made a comment about Lewis Hamilton was stuck behind Pierre Gasly and was for the whole race. Because he'd get really close to him, then on the straight would start his, like, at a Metallica at, at gig, like, nodding his head. That was his car, just bouncing up and down, like, rocking out to some hardcore rock. And he is literally bouncing down the straight like he's on a pogo stick. And they're going, oh, why can't he overtake him? He's right behind because he's bouncing on a pogo stick. But that Mercedes, just that, like all the cars bump down that road because that piece of tarmac, for whatever reason, is reasonably bumpy for whatever reason. The cars are just, you know, light bobbing. Lewis Hamilton and George Russell are down, like as I said, like they're at a rock concert. But they're, and Lewis's is so much more worse than George's as well. I saw it, uh, an interview with him at the beginning of the Channel 4 coverage, and he described it as a very aggressive cattle grid. Do you know what a cattle grid is? No. Right, basically on farms, there's like big, there's like big grates in the floor um, over like a, a, a gateway or something. And like when you drive over it, it rumbles the car. So you jolt much in the same way that these guys are doing. 
but you're right it does i think you said to it earlier on whatsapp it was like he's driving a pogo stick i think you described it, it as... looks like he's on a pogo stick and um, does he looks like he's on a pogo and what and the thing is that like, the guy on the commentator was going oh i don't know how he's not got around ghastly because he's got the speed to get around ghastly and he follows ghastly and he stakes up behind him but on the straight where you he's supposed to have drs which is another problem today. They refused to turn the DRS on for about 30 laps, even though it dried up. But without DRS, he was just going down the straight. And as soon as he got near Gasly, the pogo stick effect started and Gasly was able to get away because his car was bumpy because of the road naturally, but not to the point of Lewis Hamilton. So he was just starting to pull away again. It was a boring say, race, all in all, to be fair. I must say, it is so nice, though, to have Ferrari back in the mix again after years of doing absolutely nothing. And and I'm a big fan of Charles Leclerc, so... Even though he's binned it today. Yeah, I mean, he kept it going, bless him, and he's... Oh, that's a shot, mate. Sorry, I'm watching... Uh, my basketball team are playing, just to let people know. So if I make any weird noises, I'm watching. <laughs> Sorry, who's my favourite? F1 driver at the moment. Right now? Yeah. Danny Rick. Well, either of the McLaren drivers, I love the pair of them. Danny Rick and Lando. I was going to say, I just really want to see George Russell do well. That's all I really want. If he ousts Lewis Hamilton, I will piss myself laughing. He will outscore Hamilton. I've got a funny feeling this might be Lewis's last year. I could be really wrong, but just the way he's come back, he's got a really bad car. Last year, I, I think it's affected him deeply. I think it would affect anyone that went through that situation. It's another reason why I think Max Verstappen is a complete douchebag because had the roles been reversed, you could guarantee enough money to buy a house that he would be crying like the biggest bitch all over media sources everywhere. Oh, I got cheated. I got screwed. Can you imagine Christian Horner if the roles were reversed last year? Yeah, I don't know. Even if, even if the race finished as it should have, Christian Horner would have uh, complained. But my interest in so I'm, I'm looking at the grid. I know it's well thinking ahead, but I'm looking at the grid for next year. So Lewis Hamilton technically has another year on his deal, but we'll see. Max is still there. Ferrari have got both their drivers signed up till I think the end of 24. McLaren the same. And then I think the only other one confirmed is Bottas and Magnussen on the rest of the whole grid. So my original thought was Mercedes will replace Lewis eventually with Leclerc. That was genuinely my... I said it to you, didn't I? I mm. thought that was the going to be the replacement because I truly believed, since Leclerc was the Sauber, that he had the chance to be one of the best drivers on the grid. But if Ferrari are now up there and going to stay his come back, it would be very interesting to see if Lewis does go, who partners Russell? Because I think Lando signed a really long deal with McLaren. He will probably be in consideration, but they're going to have to pay out a massive deal. And I wouldn't say there's many younger guys that could probably get the call. I mean, I'd still happily see Danny Rick in a fast car because I still think he could win races. And he proved it last say, year. Those The two names you've just mentioned, I think, are the, the names that jump instantly to mind for me. Lando was the first one that jumped instantly to mind. Lando and Russell. But looking at that, like you said, he's got a massive long contract and... Danny Rick, I think, might be better for George Russell because he's got more experience than Lando. And the thing is with Danny Rick is he, he he's shown that he can win races. He's shown that he's fast. Bless him. He, I think he's just he's just been unlucky. He went to Renault and was promised the car, and they he overproduced in that Renault. You know, he got them on the podium, 
And then he, he won a race with McLaren last year. Let's not forget. Like he, I think him and Lando had a one-two, didn't they? So it's there in the end. hasn't started well this year because McLaren's hasn't really until today, till Lando's P3. There's still, I still think the McLaren, I mean, I'd love to see McLaren back and winning race. Imagine if we had McLaren, Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes fighting. Because do you remember those, Lewis's kind of second title run when he was at Mercedes and we had the Red Bull that was strong, we had a strong Ferrari, a strong Mercedes and then the Williams of Massa and Bottas who necessarily weren't winning races but were affecting the podium scores which helps the constructors and because the, there was Massa and Bottas I think scored you know, and split up. I think if I'm right, they split the Red Bulls in the championship standings that season. Before we end the subject of Formula One, I need to talk to you about something because I am baffled as fuck on this. Sprint races. What no, don't is the fucking point of this? I turned on Channel 4, All 4, which is like a, a catch-up service, uh, expecting to see qualifying, only to find out that qualifying had taken place on the Friday. And then I got uh, highlights of a sprint race. What's the point of the sprint race? So the idea of it, I like them. I watch GP2 and I don't like them in, in there. Um, but the idea is it's a short, kind of fast and entertaining version of F1. That's about it. Like, oh, it'll cause more overtakes. There's more points available. I don't like it. I don't see the point in it. But they're going ahead of it. They've added more to it next year. I think we get to a point where that's a, a mainstay uh, across F1. It is an F2. They do it every year. I think this year there's five sprint races across the year. Next year there's going to be eight. So, what is the point of them, though? Uh, I don't understand. Well, what, just, is just, the, what is the, the, the general point of them is literally just to speed it up. There's no points you get extra available. Points. There is. There's extra points. Top available. eight get points. Top eight get points. So, and those points go towards the the drivers and the constructors. Hmm. Yeah, but they're just narrowed. I think there's like eight points for a win, seven for second. I think the points are just lowered than what they are in the real race. What is the point in this? I I don't know. I, I don't. don't I, said, I don't I'm like. Sorry, them, but... I don't. Like I said, I'm an F2 fan, and they do it in F2, and it does get on my nerves. But I'm used to it because I used to watch it in F2. So the people that it's new to, welcome. But said I, I watch Formula Two, so I'm not. It's not a surprise for me. I've been seeing it for years. And in Formula, to be fair, in Formula Two, there's a bit more overtaking going on, so it's a bit more fun. The sprint races in F1. The thing is, in F1, the kind of fun is the pit stop and the strategies. In the sprint race. There ain't a strategy. Well, there is, but there ain't pit stops to change it up, really. If you're on the softs, you're on the softs. If you're on the mediums, you're on the mediums. That's it. I think Magnussen went on the mediums for his sprint race and it buggered him because everyone else was on softs. Uh, I'm baffled. I but there's a few... I will say, if you don't watch F2 and you're wondering who are the next kind of drivers to look out for, we've seen Enzo Fittipaldi a little bit. Felipe Dragovic is... A Brazilian driver. Everyone thinks he's like Russian or something. But he won a few races in F2. He's good. Watch out for him in the coming season. And Oscar Piastri is not in F2. I don't think anymore. But again, Oscar Piastri, very good driver, will eventually be in F1. I think he's 21 years old. He's an Australian. If I'm correct, 
he's not racing in F2 this year. I think he's signed as a backup driver for McLaren and Renault, or whatever Renault are called now, Alpine. He will be on the F1 grid soon. I think he won the Drivers' Championship last year in F2 and basically just said, oh, I'm not doing that again. I'm going to go wait for F1, which is fair enough. He won F2, F3 and European cars back to back to back at 21. So he'll be on the grid soon. Jack Aitken, if you remember Jack Aitken, he's still in F2, still knocking around. Bless him, he'll never get his, it seems like he'll never get his shot. Can't pronounce Theo's name. Porsche is another one. He's really good. And Charles Leclerc's little brothers. I think he's an F3, but we'll probably see him soon as well. I've noticed a lot of former F1 drivers going over to Formula E. Yeah, I mean, the Formula E grid is just full of either F1 formers or F2 winners. Like, let's have a look at the F formula. I've got the Formula E grid here. Like uh, Nick DeVries, who won a lot. So see names that Dan Tickton, who's quite a controversial figure. He's there. Stoffel Van Dorn from McLaren, the Mercedes backup yeah. driver. He's part of Nick DeVries, that is the Mercedes team. Sergio Camarac, who he's, he's with Giovinazzi. So there's Giovinazzi was an F1 driver. Mm. Camera was a was a different one. Lucas de Grazzi, that's uh, going back a bit, but he drove an F1 car. As did John Eric Verne and Sebastian Buemi. That's another one. And Pascal Verline. God oh, blimey, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Built as built to be the next superstar, but sadly was put in the crappiest salvo we've ever seen, bless him. And they kind of just chucked mm. him to a side because he didn't do anything, but I don't think anyone would do anything in that car. Last season, they had uh, Marcus Ericsson. But even NASCAR, if you look at the NASCAR grid now, they have Marcus Ericsson, they had Roman Grosjean, they had Kevin Magnussen until he re-signed with F1. While Pablo Montoya was in there for a while. So there was a few... Only one driver's gone over to NASCAR as well, uh, which is... Fine by me. It was Indy 500 there. It might be Indy 500. Do we think that Formula E will ever take over from Formula One? No. No, no. I don't think so. However, I do like... I'd, I'd say no. I think Formula One will just adapt to the way that they do things. However, I will say I enjoy the way they qualify. How do they qualify differently from F1? So they do... one. Well, they get one lap and it's, it takes ages. That's the only problem. It takes forever. But you get a lap. The, the, clear, the track is clear. You get five minutes to set a lap. Just one lap. Out you go. One lap qualifying. It's basically like if you play if you play the game, it's one shot qualifying. Right. But you, it's the same. So they'll start with whatever it is, 20 on the track. One will go. Then if you, he sets a 115, he's the first one out there. He's first. Next person goes out, sets a 115-2. He's second. You just get one lap. You bang it. And then it's... It's quite cool because you're waiting until the very last car and you're not just, mm -hmm. oh, well, Lewis is... It, I like it. I think it's a cool way of doing it rather than spending half hour just letting them go around as many times as they want. So you don't I think, think it makes the grid a bit more mixed. So you don't think that given like the way the future of, of all cars really are moving towards like a carbon neutral, away with petrol, away with fossil fuels, electric cars only, you don't think there'll come a point where... Formula E will take over F1. No, I, th I, I think Formula 1 will just adapt. I don't think Formula 1 will ever stop. Uh, there's too much money, but I think it will just adapt. There might be a comes point where they kind of work together and Formula E becomes a feeder series or whatever, rather than... Because uh, the idea... a lot of Because a lot of like Mercedes have a team in Formula E. 
I think there's a team that's linked with Red Bull. There's a, a team linked with Aston Martin. So there's a link between the two there. Um, so I don't think they're not like rivals or anything. I think it will just become a point where they, because Formula E really is uh, for, for F1 drivers that didn't quite make it. I think the cars are, they're okay. I, again, I don't think it's the same. But that might be the all of their races are street races and they're not great. But I do watch a bit of Formula E, but I just don't think it'll ever be as good. Switching from sports to sports entertainment, you are an unashamed mark for wrestling, aren't you? I love wrestling. I have watched it since the early 90s. I'm not heavy on it. I can take it or leave it. There's been years where I've not watched it at all and then come back. I do enjoy it. I don't enjoy much of what's on TV nowadays, especially from WWE. But you must be in heaven right now because AEW have just announced that they're going to be doing a crossover show with New Japan. So I have marked tendencies, granted. But I've never watched a New Japan show. So much as I know the wrestlers on New Japan because I play a game that they're on, I can't tell you any of their matches. I haven't watched... My last my last wrestling event I watched was WrestleMania. And before that, there was one AEW show. And before that was last year's main. So I've watched about three wrestling shows in a year. So I don't think I qualify as a mark, but I have marked tendencies. So you're, <laughs> but, uh, you're a just, diet just, mark, yeah? Yeah, like I just miss NXT. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> like I miss when NXT was fun. <laughs> yes. Like, I, 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 like, I get AEW and I understand why people like it. And I like a lot of the wrestlers in there. I think it's cringy, and there are some very strange moments. Like I'm a big fan of, again, like the NXT lot. So like I could happily watch Gargano and Champa and Balor and Keith Lee, but I I've got no interest in the Young Bucks. They bore the shit out of me. Like you're not achieving anything. Well, I'd rather watch the Revival or whatever the FTR as they're called now. Well, I don't. Kenny Omega is a fine. Because of all the people you just announced, you just reeled off, uh, only Keith Lee's there. So that's a good start. All the others are either not there or still at WWE. So, yeah, like, um, well, like, like, if you look at AEW, you've got Adam Page. I, I like the champion, I'm not, not bothered. Kenny Omega, I think, is boring. Chris Jericho's a twat. I thought he was a twat in WWE, so not bothered. But to be fair, I haven't liked Chris Jericho since he did the, you just made the list stuff because. I love Kevin Owens. So that doesn't interest me. Like as I said, FTR, you know, when AEW signed like CM Punk, there was interest there. I'm not even bothered that they signed Brian Danielson. Because I think everyone like, I, everyone was raving about the Brian Danielson Kenny Omega match. I watched it and this isn't great. I'm not bothered by it. It's because newsflash, Kenny Omega is not great. I'm sure that will upset a lot of fans everywhere. But I don't think Kenny Omega's all that. I don't think Young Bucks are all that. No. I've actually started watching AEW now because of the people that they've signed from WWE because they've got Alistair Black. They've got Keith Lee. I'm not an Adam Cole That's fan, nice. as you know, but I know that upsets you. Baby, I am. <laughs> um, but I, I like Brian Danielson and th there's other people there. I don't like the production of AEW. It looks low rent. I think they do a better job storyline-wise with their talent than, than WWE does. It's kind of annoying because if you actually kind of merge the two together, I think you'd actually get a really good product because you'd have the production 
of WWE versus the storylines and the quality of wrestling from AEW. But yeah. I, I can watch AEW, but there's certain things I zone out of, if that makes sense. Like, I can watch it. A lot of the time when I'm watching AEW, I'm just watching the in-ring stuff. So I'm, again, it's weird. I prefer the in I'm not bothered by the outside of the ring story. I kind of like just like watching the wrestling itself. If that makes sense. Like, the yes. story's good and help, but I, I, I'm quite happy just watching the clinic. Like, Gargano and Champa. yes, the story helped, but they also just had brilliant matches. That's why, like, when I watch the Young Bucks, I don't get it. I just, like, I'm, what, Pete, I watched the Young Bucks match, and they're like, oh, this is one of the best matches I've ever seen. They just ran around the ring for half hour. It's not done oh, any moves. I watched Will Ospreay against Ricochet on YouTube with, with one of my friends, Tom, and they have, like, a two-minute period where they're, they're just bouncing off the ropes and countering each other's moves. That's, that's not wrestling for me. I'm not interested in that. I'd rather watch a slow-paced match that builds, like, Ke Kevin Owens and Zambi Zayn, like, I think they had a wrestler, was it Backlash or something? Just such a good match. Um, you, you need that. AJ Styles is exactly the same. He's so good. He just keeps having good matches. There's stories in them, and he can do flips and stuff, but he doesn't need to because he could tell a story. Finn Balor and Samoa Joe in NXT, fantastic. That... I've got no problem with AEW wrestlers, a lot of them. I've watched Adam Page and Kenny Omega and thought, yeah, this is a good match, to be fair, but I'm not just, I'm not fussed by it because I think sometimes it's so, it's super cringy. And I think that is Tony Khan a little bit because um, he is the ultra mark of all time. But I don't necessarily have a problem with them. Like FTR are my, probably my favourite tag team. Not ever. Uh, no, possibly. But again, that sparks from being the mechanics and the revival that before they were even in AEW, now they're FTR. I watched their two previous like situations. So I think AEW is on the right course. They're, I'd rather watch that than a Raw or SmackDown. But um, I'm not... I don't think it's great. Like My key thing was NXT. I could watch NXT all day. It wouldn't bother me. They were just good. Like even my biggest thing with AEW, my biggest gripe is I think their women's division sucks, and I don't mean that as in their wrestlers. I actually, their wrestlers are really good. Yeah, I, I like. It. I think their division's good. I'm a fan of Britt Baker, but I just think overall it's not great. WWE. It's the only thing I could comfortably say WWE do better is, and even don't rate WWE in that in that sense, but. If AEW are as progressive as they say, their women's division sucks. It's just not booked well. They've got some really good wrestlers who have some really good matches, but their division is booked so poorly. I think that's the other thing that surprises me the most with AEW is you bang on the money with the women's division. But also they were like very much, when they first kicked off, they were all about diversity. They've got a transgender wrestler. Nyla Rose. Thank you. But then it kind of went very, very quiet. That was like, that's it. Uh, and they've done absolutely diddly squat, apart from with Britt Baker. They've done nothing with anybody else. To be fair, Nyla Rose did get a title run before, because when they started AW, Kenny Omega ran the women's division and booked the segments and kind of booked the matches. And you could tell because it was all Joshi wrestlers. It was, I can't remember yes. the name. 
Kurashida and there's the other one, Riho, were the two like kind of big leaders. Then Tony Khan transitioned. Britt Baker's heel run was fantastic. She had a long run with the title. Turned face um, now, and obviously she hasn't. She's not the cha- champion anymore. It's Thunder uh, Rosa, which is, was a nice story. They 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 had a good match. They'll have another. They'll have plenty of them. I'm still waiting for them to bring in Ember Moon. Oh, Athena, I think she's going by. She will at some point turn up. Tony Storm, I know she's signed a deal with AEW, but by the sound of it from a podcast she was on, it's not a full-time deal. It's very much like, I'm going to pick and choose when I'm wrestling because I want to go home. So she's gone home to Australia. Um, and Anna Jay and Ty Conti are my favourite tag team, but not for wrestling reasons. So <laughs> Although I think they may have split up because I think Tay Conti's turned heel. Yes, she has because she's diddling Wussy's face. Yeah, so like, so I keep up with wrestling. I watch, you know, YouTube channels. I read the dirty sheets, as they're called. But I'm not really bothered to watch. Like I used to watch NXT religiously every Wednesday. Takeover, I'd stay up till two AM to watch it on Saturday. Uh, I don't even know if they're called Takers over anymore in NXT. Um, so. I mean, but my always kind of like my my generation of wrestling was on a down spiral when I came into wrestling. And I start my, my early memories is early two thousands and the back end of kind of like the attitude era fading or faded, and we're going into the ruthless aggression. I remember like Kurt Angle and Benoit and Eddie before he died, and, and it's kind of like a young Cena. I remember Batista being Spike Dudley's bitch. No. Not Spike Dudley, um, Devon Dudley, like walking around with a money collection box when I was like six. I was, <laughs> and then eventually he turned into Deacon, Deacon yeah, Deacon Batista. Like Cena coming in with the ruthless aggression with Kurt Angle. Actually, I sent Ryan a video earlier on of uh, yes. Kurt Angle singing "I'm Just a Sexy Kurt," which was, if you haven't seen it, please go and search "I'm a Sexy Kurt" in, on YouTube, and then you'll have the best of minute one minute eleven seconds of your life. <laughs> One thing we do talk about is one thing I think I'm going to have to, what's the right word? Have a slice of humble pie. I didn't, as you know, I'm not a big Cody Rhodes fan, but I think I'm going to have to eat just a bit of pie because he seems to be a bigger deal in the States than I thought he would be. I remember him being basically this skinny little dude who left WWE in a pair of gimp pants because that's all he seemed to wear with some really dodgy moustache and he was putting bags over people's heads and all weird <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> and then he turned into, but, was it Stardust or something? Starburst? Stardust. Stardust. Like yeah. And he looked even worse. But because he's gone off and made a name for himself, not only in wrestling, but outside of wrestling. He's now, uh, ironically, he's kind of, he is famous now for his roles in, because obviously, so he left, WWE did Ring of Honor, did that massive show with Ring of Honor, but but not the ten thousand one, not the original All In. The did a big show before that and really kind of ascended. Then went to New Japan, where everyone said he'd be shy. And by all accounts, I don't rate him particularly in Ring, but he did fine apparently in New Japan. Don't watch it. Then um, he obviously got the AW, did got the TNT deal and had his own show. Has his own show on TNT, which he still does. Him and Brandy. Also, if you remember, he was on, was it Green Arrow? 
Yes, he's done a lot of stuff. He's kind I kind of get the feeling that like he's gone the Chris Jericho route where he did like dancing with the stars and shit like that. So yeah, he tried I mean, it's, to it's worked for him. He's not gone as far as like the rock or John Cena have, but he's done like the Chris Jericho thing of trying to make your name sort of lower mainstream. I think the big reason for WWE they signed him is he's so divisive. Uh, like even his time in AEW and even like the moves to WWE and it's the exact reason why they signed that they were signing him. People loved him or hated him. There's no middle ground. So he was being talked about. Like the news, Sean Rossap, who, if you're not in the wrestling world, you don't know much about him. He is kind of the guy that breaks a lot of the, the news. He said that his Fightful post said the same day the Cody Rhodes was was out of contract was the same day that the Steve Austin news broke that he was going to wrestle again. Mm. Cody Rhodes' hits were double that of Steve Austin. Like he said, like the highest video he's done this year was Cody Rhodes being released by AEW, and it made him the most money on Fightful. There are people that were subscribing to find out Cody Rhodes, and apparently, if you googled Cody Rhodes, he was trending like second in the world. There was just a buzz about him, and I said that at the time when because we had that conversation. You said, "Why would WWE want to sign him?" That's why there's buzz about him. As we said before, WWE is not looking necessarily for the wrestlers they're looking for names and get their name out to get wwe the brand out there if cody's off doing this and that and being decisive and that's that's why they signed him and i think in the long run will he go back to being nothing yeah but i think they're going to treat him well to start with um because they've got a reaction from it and until they no longer get a reaction that's when it will all break down it's almost a kind of John Cena effect, I suppose, really, isn't it? It's like you either love him or hate him. He reminds me a lot. And it's funny you made the comparison. That Chris Jericho kind of, he's in, he's out. With his, he was in at WWE, then he was out again, then he was back in and out. And kind of comes back, changes his gimmick slightly. He's a bit of a knobhead. Like that kind of feel. I mean, he's not got the characters that Chris Jericho's come up with, obviously. But that kind of, he gets that kind of buzz. Like, he's getting buzz at the minute. I mean, I, as I said, it, I think I'm sure it will break down eventually to a point where it goes and he'll drop back down the drop back down the card. But for now, I think they're going to keep him up there until he stops getting that reaction online. I don't think they're bothered by the crowd reaction in the arenas. I don't know what crowd reaction he's getting. Well, <laughs> to, be, to be fair, he's getting a very good reaction. It's quite. This is what took me by surprise because, like I said, I always remember Cody as like this little nerd running around in gimp pants and it's like the smallest pair of wrestling pants I've ever seen uh, and then all of a sudden he's just like come back as like as a star studded in gold and red and it's just like what the I saw one um, tweet that cracked me up you know when he made his entrance at Wrestlemania yes you'll appreciate this as an NXT fan someone put oh look it's a B-Tech Bobby Roode <laughs> and I thought that's genius, like glorious, just without the cape, it's gone a bit wrong. And I was like, I appreciate that, that's genius. While we're talking about entrances, did you see Edge's entrance at WrestleMania? No, I didn't watch all night too. That's what I mean, like, I don't watch wrestling anymore. He rose up on a throne out of stage and he's doing like this judge gimmick at the moment where he's just like, the yeah, I'm rude. Yes, basically, he's got Damien Priest with him. The only problem was, is I saw a segment, I was sort of like... About to get Rhea Ripley as well, apparently. ...videos on YouTube, 
And um, he sat in this enormous chair, right? And this chair's got like this enormous Gothic back on it. So it's like fucking up here, you know? Then he's got Damien Priest, who's about six foot nine, stood next to him. And he's hunched down in this enormous chair. And he looked like this wrinkly old man trying to judge everybody. He's a wrinkly old man. He looked like a hobo when he came back. I'm sorry. He really did. Fucking hell. I honestly thought he was homeless. Really <laughs> he did look it, didn't he? Absolutely. But he was... Um, I know you always give me shit for it, but he was one of my favourites growing up. As a young lad, teenager, watching wrestling. Like that kind of 08, 07, 08, 09 period. I was like 10, 12-ish that kind of range. Ed was my guy. And I think I was the only one at my school that rated him because everyone else was John Cena and Ray and the cool ones. And I was, yeah, I like Ed. Yeah. And then you get like one Randy Orton mark and you'd be confused by it. But like as a kid, I liked, like as a kid, and I'm sure like you're, you're probably the same with your generation growing up. Like obviously when I was a youngster, it was Cena and Ray when I was young, young. Because they were the ones built, like Ray Mysterio was so cool for me as an eight-year-old, and so was Cena until I got to about thirteen, and I would piss him off. <laughs> That's probably because Ray Mysterio you, looked about eight. Yeah, but for you know the Cena, I grew out of that Cena phase, and I grew into an Edge phase. I just liked Edge. Now it's Kevin Owens, to be fair, but that's been since he was in NXT. I was going to say, to be fair to me, I, I was a Bret Hart fan. Huge Bret Hart fan. He was one of my biggest heroes as a kid growing up. And when Bret left to go to WCW, I stopped watching. And I stopped watching for a long ass time. And then I started watching again for about when The Rock came around. So it must be about say 99, 2000, I would say. And then I stopped in 2002. Uh, Thanks after, for that. Yeah, after <laughs> the um, you got me into it and then went right by. <laughs> it was it was just after the invasion pay per view. I think it was. It was so terrible. Yeah, that's uh, when I, I came in. Off. Great. And then I turned off for a long time, and now moved uh, started again. I think it was about two thousand and ten. I think got back into it. I think it was around about the the Nexus time, and CM Punk, uh, and then. CM Punk became my guy and I watched him until he fucked off. And then I didn't watch again yes, I think, until about 2007. To be fair, I think, yeah, because what kind of got you back was, I, was, I remember telling you about Matt Hardy on Impact. Oh, it was before Matt Hardy on Impact, but you got me into Impact. That was, that was 20, back, 2018, yeah. 2017. Yeah, that was because I So my, my, my time frame is... Uh, so I said, I got into wrestling about 2002, 2003, kind of from you as you passed it on to me. So thanks for that. And then I think I stopped watching in about 2010, kind of just as things were starting to heat up with punk. And then I came back about 2012-ish. I kind of missed punk and had to go back to see what the punk fuss was. Mm. I was caught. Cool. I remember watching Jericho and punk and they thought punk was pissed. So they made him do like a test where he has to walk and do the alphabet backwards. Mm. And he's pretending he can't do it, and then he does it. And then I stopped watching. I started watching again. I fell out. I don't know what the year was. I stopped watching the, the main roster. Then I found NXT. When NXT first started being NXT, not the 
dodgy brand that Matt Stryker was part of doing weird games. I'm talking like when Seth lost the title to Big E, that kind of like original NXT. When I came back in through that and kind of watched the main roster on and off. I've never been main roster focused because it's been shy, frankly. But I've always been a big NXT fan until 2.0 became a thing. And there was a period of NXT, like for me, because I was the one who kind of told you, look, you need to watch NXT. Yeah, because you got me but... into it at a time when it was Alistair Black, Velveteen Dream, Andrade and oh. uh, Johnny Gargano. Yes. And that, and that for me wasn't even the best version of NXT. It was a really good version of NXT. And I, like again, that was the NXT I could watch all day. But then when you add Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and Finn Balor and the women's division, Charlotte, Becky, sat like I'd never given a shit for women's wrestling because it was never wrestling, was it? It was pillow fights and bra and panties and they were just an extra on the thing. It was when I watched NXT and Charlotte and I remember watching Paige and Emma, I think at the first takeover. Like, this isn't awful. And then Charlotte and Naomi um Natalia. And then obviously you had the four horsewomen in NXT. Then you know you had uh, Ember Moon and Bailey and Asuka. Like Oscar, that kind of time frame. Like I remember watching, if I'm correct, it was Ember Moon and Oscar and Nikki Cross at a takeover. I remember the first and match I saw was amazing. Uh, NXT was Asuka versus Nikki Cross. It was a ladder match, and they did yeah. this mad, mad spot where they like climbed up the ladder and then dropped. I think I think Asuka dropped Nikki Cross through the announcers table on mm. the stage. Yeah, I was just like, "This is fucking great! This is amazing!" <laughs> NXT is so good. It was um, even like because even the mid card, like their secondary feuds, was so good. Still, even if it wasn't a title match, you still had, like you said, like Alistair Black, obviously was the champion at one point, but he, he had some really good dream. matches. Oh my god, what a match that fucking exactly. was! Oh my god, Velveteen Dream. Sadly, he turned out to be a complete bellin. And obviously, we can't go into details around him. But, I mean, in ring, as much as he still was quite green, he had some amazing matches in NXT. And he had charisma as well. It's the thing that annoyed me so much. It was one of those people who should have gone up to the main event. If he'd been there during the Attitude Era, he would have made so much fucking money. I'm not sure if they would have put his character on the way they did in NXT as they would on the main Yeah, roster, no, no, I don't think Because, well, again, so with him, I remember him coming out as Patrick Clark in NXT before, like, when who was he was on NXT as Patrick Clark during the Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens times. Like, he would, he'd been there for so long. And then he came back as Velveteen Dream and everyone was like, he, he's nailed it. I remember watching the first North American. Do you remember the ladder match? Which one? For the North American title. The, the North American first. Cole. The one Adam Cole won. Yes. That was chaos. When you looked at that, it was Adam Cole, EC3, Velveteen Dream, Ricochet, Killian Dane, and who was the other one? The big scary bloke. Sullivan. What's his first name? Lars Sullivan. Lars? Yeah, last that Sullivan. match, everyone was like, it's being built up. It's going to be crap because Killian Dane's a big guy. Lars Sullivan's a big guy. EC3's not great in ring. That match was amazing. It was bonkers, but it was so fun. I still don't understand why they've changed NXT. It was the only good thing WWE had. I know it wasn't getting much 
traction on mainstream TV, but that was because they were going up against AEW because AEW originally was supposed to be on a Tuesday and then they switched it to a Wednesday, despite what fans will say about, oh, no, WWE were trying to steal some of AEW's thunder. That's not actually quite true because originally AEW, uh, AEW's Dynamite, the trademark was originally for Tuesday Night Dynamite. And then all of a sudden they switched to Wednesday. I still don't understand the 2.0 change. It's I mean, awful. Awful. It is bad. But look at the... You look at the... Uh, no, 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 no. It's not bad. It's awful. I would not. I don't watch it. So go, that problem. Seriously, talk to yourself. Go and watch one to. episode. It is appalling TV. The thing with NXT is they made stupid shit fun. Like Cameron Grimes and L.A. Drake LA Knight, Eli Drake, as I know him from Moon Pack. Yes. Dummy, yeah. Their feud, even though it was fucking stupid, it was so good. Over the million dollar belt. That was great. The index stuff with Dexter Loomis and Indy Hartwell. Brilliant. Like they just it, they even did stupid shit brilliantly. It, and then that Apparently, it's gone downhill since, which is a oh, shame. But I think I've watched the first 2.0 and then was like, Yeah, I'm, um, no, <laughs> yeah, it's like they're wrestling in a strip club. It honest to god, it is. It's just like bright lights and everything, glass everywhere. And oh, I, I will I, say, I've never watched NXT UK, so if people think he is a real mark, I'm not that bad. I've never seen New Japan and I don't watch NXT UK, I can't even tell you who's on NXT. I think what brought us together over wrestling, I mean, most sports keep us together, but mm. was that impact Matt Hardy stuff. Yes. Like we always kind of like, we both liked wrestling. And we both, like, when I was yes. young, like, going back to when I was young, when I was like 10, if my dad was away or what, doing something, I'd go down to Ryan's. We'd go to Blockbusters for you old peoples, we'd go to Blockbusters, we'd rent out the latest SmackDown versus Raw and we'd do career mode, just taking it a game at a time, and then we play GM mode till yeah. I would sleep. It was, it was just great. <laughs> so, like, that was always good, but it was Impact that kind of made us watch wrestling together, because yes. we'd kind of watch Impact and then we'd call up each other and be like, the fuck is Matt doing now? Like, this is mental. And then even towards the back end of of that kind of finishing, we got Eli Drake and like the dummy year stuff, which was still just genius, wasn't it? So ironic, even though WWE was this massive thing, it was probably Impact that kept that made us the wrestling kind of the chat wrestling as much as we actually do. It definitely brought me back to wrestling. I will say that it was such a shame that ended the way it did come out because he went to WWE. Obviously, it shit the bed, and then he tried to do it again in AEW, and it was just leave it, Matt. It was just so good on its. Well, no, I think the problem with him when he tried to do it at AEW, I think it would have worked at AEW, but at the time, it was coronavirus, it was pandemic. pandemic. It, yeah. There was no fans allowed and, anywhere, ever. So it, and it, But also, the way they did his... Like, the first time he was seen was he was in the background of a Chris Jericho promo, doing his, yeah, just moving around from seat to seat, but there was obviously, like, there was cuts, so he'd be, like, this side of the stage, then he'd appear up there and you're like, this is so shit. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, they tried to make something work and it really didn't. But we're going to end that there. So thank you very wonderful. much for joining me, brother. And um, thank you very much for anybody who's bothered to listen. And uh, we'll see you Merci soon. Merci beaucoup.